This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Here you go. Here you go. On the clock. Good morning, everybody. It is Thursday, April 27th, 2023. I live by the clock like Chuck Nolan and Castaway. Every morning, 8 a.m., we are live. Nothing personal with David Sampson. Let's get into it. On the clock is the expression that's used for the draft. It is draft day. I'm not giving you a mock draft. Not my thing. I'm not going to tell you who I think Carolina is going to take. Don't know. I'm not even sure I care. I'm not going to tell you whether or not Arizona is going to trade DeAndre Hopkins. They may. They may not. I'm not going to tell you whether or not you should draft or not draft someone who had a crappy combine. Maybe, maybe not. I do want to mention a few funny things that enter my mind on NFL Draft Day. First, as an MLB executive, it's one of my least favorite days on the calendar. It is another example being thrown in my face how great the National Football League is that they manage to make the draft the event of the offseason. Hundreds of thousands of people descend on Kansas City. Cities competing to host it like it's an economic driver. Kids getting all ready to be drafted and entering the National Football League. It's incredible, isn't it? How many of you are having draft parties? How many of you are going to be sitting there watching the draft, waiting to see who your team takes. The NBA tries it, they put it in an arena. People are screaming and booing, it's a whole thing. MLB brings it to Secaucus, brings in luminaries from all 30 teams, pretends there's phones, pretends there's conversations going on, all of which are staged. Hey, Hawk, who do you think we should take? Well, I'm looking around the room and I think we got this guy, Dopey. Let's take them. You do a whole big thing. Our owner love this. Owners do good things. They want to be surrounded by goodness and happiness. Our owner, like all the other owners, like to call the first round picks. You know, it's, it's how you doing? Yeah, we're, uh, we're taking you. You've been drafted. Welcome to the organization. Let's get a deal done. Let's bring you in. When a baseball player is drafted, you have to negotiate with an agent. There are parameters, there are slots. The deals are done before the draft is done. 
You spend your time pre-draft making deals with the players. So you have a list of who's available, be signed and where you're willing to sign them, who's not, who you're going to think about drafting. You have your draft board up. It's exciting. The room is ready. MLB wants to make it this media event, but it's not. The NFL got it right. Carolina's on the clock right now. When you have the number one pick in a draft, a couple of things are true. You know who you're taking. You don't need all of the hoopla. You don't need Roger Goodell in his basement telling Carolina, all right, do we have your pick? Not only does the number one team have its pick, so does the number two team. If you're Houston in this case, you know exactly who you're going to take. You've got a new coach. You need a quarterback. The thing about the NFL draft that makes me wonder, in baseball, even if there's a consensus number one, Steven Strasburg, Bryce Harper, when Washington had those picks, everyone knew they were going one. It was no doubt about it. It really doesn't matter because they could make it. They could not make it. There's no such thing as a Nicolette Sheridan in Major League Baseball's draft. It does not exist. Therefore, if you know who you're taking, you take them, and then they disappear. You have one more media availability when they actually sign the first-round deal. You bring them to the home park. They take batting practice. You have media availability. They sit in the owner's suite. They watch the game. They do the perfunctory, I want to be there. I'm ready to be there right now. But they're kids. They're 16, 17, 18, sometimes 21. In football, if you are a top 10 pick, I could even say if you're a top 31 pick this year, you're expected to contribute this coming season, which starts now. I guess the training camps will open in August and the season will start in September. We're already about to be in May. It's tomorrow, basically. You don't have time to develop training camp, off-season, voluntary workouts, involuntary workouts. It's a bunch of crap. It's malaki. You come in, you learn the playbook, and you've got to be good. So when you're going through the decision about taking Bryce Young as your quarterback, well, he did well. He learned under Nick Saban, or maybe you want to go with Will Levis. But there's all these things that people say. That is uh, another interesting difference. The NFL has a bunch of geniuses in the media doing their mock drafts. Everyone's got a list. Here's a little tiny surprise and secret. In a front office of a baseball team, I did 18 drafts. We didn't look at a mock draft one time, not one. We didn't watch coverage. We didn't look at a mock because we knew that we were relying on our scouts, on our people, not on what someone says who works in a media company, even if they're a former front office person. I love it for you. I love the media side of it. I love it. Everyone's doing mock drafts. CBS does mock drafts starting tomorrow will be a, I guess maybe Monday will be a mock draft for 2024. I'm in. It's content. Enjoy it. But don't think for a minute that teams are actually focused on it. What they are focused on is what they view as their own proprietary methods of figuring out who's got the more likely chance to succeed in the system that they employ. You had someone like C.J. Stroud 
is a is a fun example of this. He is someone who, in theory, right? He played for the Ohio State. He's got a chance. He did not test well in a cognitive test. And he gave a quote that said, I know I'm one of the smartest quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't think you can play at Ohio State and not be smart. But he had a terrible cognitive test score. And he said, I'm not a test taker. Give me a break, I'm a football player. That's a case where analytics has a way of getting away. We would give tests to players. We wanna know whether players can read playbooks, whether they can know plays. And then we realize that half of our team can't remember the hit and run sign. We have to yell the signal, run, hit, take. Oh, but football players have to be way smarter. It's a more complicated game. It's way more difficult for them to figure out what they're doing. I get it. But you're not going to pass on CJ pun intended, because there's some possibility that you think you're going to need a Kyler Murray clause. Hey, you better study. You better learn the playbook. So we would take the test taking or the intelligence level, the EQ, sometimes emotional intelligence, and we would put it in the hopper, but it would not be a huge component. And I'm not going to fall into the camp where You've got to be a smart quarterback. You've got to have this level of intelligence. You've got to be able to read the defense. You've got to be able to be the leader of men. No. C.J. Stroud is a top quarterback prospect. You want him on your team. How about my guy, Will Levis? Will Levis. <laughs> Cut that. God damn, we're alive. Four, eight, six, nine. How about my guy, Will Levis? People saying he's too muscular. That was one of my favorites. We look at the bodies. We project the bodies going forward. In football, you want the bodies to be what they're going to be, but their bodies are going to change. You can do things to help bodies in the NFL or in Major League Baseball. He's too muscular. He's not going to be a good enough passer. We don't like his decisions. That's like saying we're not going to draft a guy because we're not sure he's going to hit the curveball. I promise you. When you're evaluating a quarterback or when you're evaluating a pitcher, you're evaluating them as to how you believe they will be a pro, not what they did in college, not what they did in high school, not the name on their back of their jersey. Oh, you're related to Eli Manning, we're in. You're related to LeBron James, we're taking you. Now, you may do that because you want LeBron James on your team at the end of his career. It's a good publicity stunt. Oh, he's got good bloodlines. They're not like horses. Hey, do you see who did what to who to make that? We're gonna buy that one. No. Projection, projection. What about trading your picks? That's another good one. People are all talking about Houston. They've got the two, they've got the 12. Do they trade one? Do they trade both? Do they trade none? There's been some talk, there's been no talk. There's football insiders who are losing their mind. There is attention, there's no attention, there's some trade action. So here's how the trades work. For the draft, it starts at the ownership level. Here's why. Do we want to win this coming season? Or do we want to tank for Tua? And there's a Tua out there. 
Hmm. People are saying that next year there's a quarterback. His name is Caleb Williams. They're saying that there's a chance that he could be the guy. So maybe you don't take anyone in the first round. You don't take a franchise quarterback even when you need a franchise quarterback because there's a franchise quarterback waiting in the wings. Memo to all teams. There's always a franchise quarterback waiting in the wings. There is always the next guy, the next player. So when you think that you have to take a guy because you need a pitcher, you need an outfielder, you need a quarterback, you need help on the interior offensive line, don't draft that way. It doesn't work out. Don't wait. If you are tanking for a specific player, there is a 90% chance that either you won't get the player, or if you do, the player won't be the player that you thought he was going to be, thereby making tanking not worth it. If you want to tank because you want to do a rebuild because you don't have a good enough team, and you want to do the Astros where you get a bunch of number one picks, and you want to go a few years in a row, be my guest. But in football, when there's such an opportunity to go from worst to first, in a way that in baseball is much more difficult, it happens, of course, but it's a bigger process. Make the decision, but it comes from the owner. So the owner has a deadline. The football people, the baseball people say to the owner, we need to know general direction and specific requests. General direction is we're telling you where we think our team is. You're telling us if we think, if we think that the team can overachieve or if we think it's more likely the team will underachieve. The owner then gets to decide, talking to the CFO, whether or not it makes sense financially, whether or not it makes sense competitively to hold off a year. But the owners never make the decision or shouldn't be allowed to make the decision, never say never, based on an available player next season. We'll see what happens here. It will be interesting. All of you will be watching. Some of you will be watching. Not none of you. The reason I won't be watching is the draft for me always represents an indictment of the prior season. When we had a top pick in the draft, our scouts were incredibly excited. Our GM was incredibly excited. And I was incredibly despondent. Not because I wouldn't get to make the call and enjoy the glory of making a kid's life. No, because it means that it's a reminder of a failure that I want to forget. I don't wanna be reminded if I'm Carolina that I've got the first pick. I don't wanna be reminded that Houston, I could have had the first pick without the screw up of lovey-dovey, but either way, I sucked. I wanna draft 25 every year. I'm happy not to be in the conversation. Don't discuss me during the excitement in the circus that is the draft. I'm happy to have a low first round pick every single year. And then I can be like, didn't Belichick say something, Coca? Or was it Kraft? Someone I think said something like, what do you expect from us? We draft in the 20s every single year. Jeremy Hermida was not my first pick. No, that would have been, my first pick was with the Expos. So I believe that my first pick could have been Justin Wayne was my first pick in 2000. The guy from Hawaii who's now in prison or was in prison. I think that uh, 
my first pick with the Marlins would, would have been 2002 draft, June of 02, and we would have drafted, I don't know, it may have been Hermita, may have been that great high school pitcher, Jeffrey Allison, who never worked out. I cannot remember, Coca. It's so long ago. It's decades ago. And no, I don't have the Google open. Yeah, we only won. We won 65 or 67 games the first two years in Montreal. And when you have a bad year, you get reminded of it. I'm going to stick to that as why it really does bother me. So good luck with the draft. Caroline, you're on the clock, but you already know what you're doing. Why don't you just tell us? Do you know that when you do have the first pick in the draft, and I've never had the first pick in the draft, that there's no problem leaking who the first pick in the draft is going to be? Because there's no competitive disadvantage. It's not like Houston is sitting around saying, we've got to split our work here. We're not sure. Are we going to take Bryce Young? Maybe we're going to take CJ Stroud or maybe Will Levis or who knows? No, when you've got the second pick, you're doing the work on two players. When you have the third pick, you're doing the work on three players. There's plenty of time to do the work. They've been preparing for this for months, if not a year. What's the difference? Carolina does the work on one player. That's all. Why don't you just tell us? It's bad for TV. That's why. What about the Tennessee Titans? Do you think the biggest news of their day, do you think the owner and the president of the Tennessee Titans is all jacked up for the draft? Big day for us. We're going to get better. Nope. Tennessee Titans are jacked up because they just got a cool bill from the public. Tennessee Titans announced that they're getting a new stadium. They announced the deal, and I wanted to just mention something to you. This is Nashville. This is a city where you can go have a lot of fun on a couple of different streets and maybe even run into Kid Rock, do some dancing, do some boozing. I don't know why I use that expression. That's terrible. I don't even use that in real life. Do some drinking, walk around, see some Johnny Cash stuff. I love Nashville. In. Love it. Great city. A lot of fun. You can actually walk from downtown to the old Titan Stadium or the current Titan Stadium. It's within walking distance. It's a good walk. Decent walk, but a good walk. They've been trying to get a new building because they convinced the public that renovating their stadium was not going to work. They'd rather do a new stadium. So last night or yesterday, in a 26 to 12 vote, the following happened. The Nashville City Council agreed to issue $760 million in bonds for the stadium. And they added that to the half a billion that came from the state. Quick math, $1.2 plus billion dollars in public money. That's more than came in Buffalo. And don't give me, if you're one of the Miami people listening to this, well, David, you got $2.4 billion for your ballpark. No, no, that wasn't the math. We got about $330 million, which when it's paid back over the term of the bonds adds up to $2.4 billion. The Titans are getting current day money of $1.2 billion. When that gets paid back over 30 years, guess what? That'll be in the 30s of billions. But Nashville wanted it. But how do you get that money? Where does it come from? 
Do you think that what the public does is they just write a check? They go to the bank and borrow it? It's a bond offering. What a bond offering means is that you're going to the public, not just in Nashville, but around the country, around the world. You're going to pension funds. You're going to investment funds. And you're saying, we want to borrow money from you. We will pay you blank interest. Let's say LIBOR plus 300 basis points. Whatever you want to say it is, 6%, 5%, 4%, rah, rah, rah. Pick a percent. Don't care. We're going to lock it in. We're not gonna make it variable, we're gonna lock it. Like you do with your mortgage, sometimes you do a five-year adjustable rate, an arm they call it. Sometimes you wanna lock in a 30-year fixed. Sometimes we all pretend that we know the difference. We get advice from our friends who don't know squat about squat, but then we make a decision, then we wanna refinance. And that's the Sylvester McMonkey McBean machine where people are refinancing this, refinancing that, and the person winning is the bank, getting fees. So you go and you borrow money. And when you borrow money, there's something called collateral. Hey, just out of curiosity, how are you gonna pay us back? We're gonna take a, see that car, see your house, see that thing that you own, we're gonna take that JIC. When municipalities do bond offerings, they're doing the same thing. They're saying that we will show you how we're gonna pay you back. Guess what Nashville did? They created a brand new 1% hotel motel tax, an increase, a new, doesn't matter if the tax used to be 3%, they make it 4%. If it used to be 0%, they make it 1%, doesn't matter. When you go to a hotel and you check out and they give you your rate, hey, this is $2.99 a night. And then you check out and you're like, man, that looked like 347. Guess what? You're helping to build the Nashville Stadium for the Tennessee Titans. That's what a hotel motel tax is. Hotel motel holiday in. Why is that in my head, Coke? I think that's a song and I don't know why. I don't know where. <laughs> so check out of a hotel, you're a visitor. That was always my line because we used hotel taxes too. We didn't create a new one. We used part of the existing hotel motel tax in Miami where you check out or sometimes they'll do an all-inclusive price plus a resort fee. The resort fee goes to the hotel, the all-inclusive price, that goes to the city, the taxes and that. But it wasn't just that. Tennessee Titans, if you buy something in stadium, there's taxes. You buy a Coke, you buy a jersey, you buy a dog, a hot dog, you pay a tax. All taxes from anything going on in stadium, those go to pay back the bonds. But there's more. They did a 130 acre sweep around and they created this district, the same kind of district they're trying to create in other cities when we go over deals. And we say that, wow, you are taking money away from first responders and teachers and lawyers and doctors. Those don't always go together. And teachers and firemen, and first responders, it's a better way to put it, 130 acres around the ballpark, anything that gets generated in terms of taxes there, sales taxes, we're gonna take it. And we're gonna use it to pay off the bonds. So we're gonna go to the bondholders and say, do you see all this money that's generated? We're only using it for the football team. So lest there be any misunderstanding about how this is done, 
this money that is being used, the $1.2 billion, that is being paid for by you. And the reason it's by you, if you're watching this in Nashville, is that dollars are fungible. So if sales tax is counted on to be used in the general revenue, to keep up your roads for all of your services, if the money isn't coming from one revenue stream, they gotta take it from another revenue stream. And the other revenue stream could be an increase in your property taxes, an increase in the sales taxes, or a decrease in services. But wait, we're not finished. The stadium's gonna cost $2 billion. The public's only giving 1.2. Where does the other money come from? It makes no sense. It doesn't add up. Hold on, we got it. The NFL is gonna lend money to the Titans, good. And then in a little note in describing this stadium, there's something called personal seat licenses. Let me tell you what a PSL is. Personal seat license means that you become a season ticket holder of the Titans and they charge you money. Let's say your ticket is $300, but they're gonna charge you $10,000 up front plus $300 a ticket, and they're gonna say that you own a license to that seat. They're gonna take that $10,000 that you gave them, and they're gonna use that, and they're gonna combine it all and use it to borrow money to put in their share of the stadium construction. That means that's not the owner, that's you. I like it. I just don't wanna hide it anymore. That was my whole point with Inter Miami. I spent years trying to get a stadium done. We couldn't do PSLs, but we would've. We couldn't find enough season ticket holders without PSLs. But in football, PSLs are very common. They're a great, great, great. They're a great way to get money from you to help with the ballpark. Now, my argument is you're good with that. You are a consumer of football in Nashville. You are going there and I get to argue it's a but for tax. But for the stadium being there, you would not have sales tax generated there. I can't say but for the 130 acres. I definitely can't say that. I can't say but for with the personal seat licenses because if there's no team there, then you're not gonna have to do a personal seat license. But I can say, but for the stadium, we don't have a chance of a Final Four. We don't have a chance to host a draft, to host a Pro Bowl, a Super Bowl, whatever the case may be. I like it. I like the whole plan. I think it makes Nashville better. However, can we look at it from another perspective? What do you think Rob Manford's doing right now? Do you think Rob Manford is celebrating the other owners in baseball? Hip, hip, hooray. Nashville got a deal. Nashville is one of the cities that is being looked at for expansion in Major League Baseball. Part of expansion in Major League Baseball is having public money used for a stadium because no owner is going to pay the expansion fee to the other owners, then build the entire stadium with privately funded money and then start an organization from scratch. Any city that wants expansion will have to come to the table with a fully baked stadium deal, a ballpark deal. 
Nowhere in reading about the Titans situation did I see anything remotely discussing MLB. I didn't hear the mayor or the council get up and say, guess what? We're doing this deal, but it's really a twofer. Shh. Don't tell anyone, but we've got a plan in place. Plenty of land, plenty of money, and we're going to build an MLB-roofed stadium. It's going to be great. Are you excited if you're Charlotte right now? Are you excited if you're Montreal? Tout va bien? Parce que c'est possible que Montreal could have a stadium and could have a team now? <laughs> I just found it interesting that no one was going to talk about it. I think eventually you got to talk about it, don't you? It's the elephant in the room that a city's going to do all of that public money for a football stadium and then say, sorry, sorry, folks, park's closed. I wonder if Vegas is doing that. I mean, Vegas, it's funny money. Everyone's got money in Vegas. So you think even though no one has money in Vegas, I think that's what they're saying. Yeah, we were, that was exciting doing the Golden Knights. That was exciting doing the Raiders, getting Mark Davis here. By the way, Mark Davis MFing John Fisher's effort to keep the team in Oakland makes me laugh, to say the least. To say the least, that's the definition of irony. But I digress. Do you think Vegas is saying, hey, we got this. We got it, baby. More public money. Come lick our trough. All right, we come back. We're going to review a movie and talk about something that happened in baseball that is called service time manipulation. Yes, it still exists. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson, Matthew Coca, every day, 8 a.m. Please join us on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel if you so desire. And if you don't desire, then you're missing something terrific. Tell your friends about it. Join the party. I watched a movie yesterday. I will start by saying that I paid $19.99 for it. I will start by saying that I knew nothing about it except that Zach Braff had written it and directed it and that I had some recollection that at one time he dated Florence Pugh, whether they met on that set or whether they did the movie together and then broke up or they're still together. Couldn't remember the gossip, didn't matter. And then it had Morgan Freeman in it. So... That combination means I'm watching it, I'm putting it on, no idea what happens. Five minutes into the movie, my mouth is on the floor because I am in for a ride of sadness, what I hope will end with something uplifting, a relationship between 
a man and a woman that gets interrupted by something bad and who is the good person if everybody's bad? Can you be a good person? And the movie is a perfect two hours and six minutes of me barely able to keep it together, getting emotional, thinking about it right now actually, where all you want is an opportunity to be good when you've been bad, to be healthy when you're sick, to be alive when you're dead. All you want is someone who believes in you, that you can be a good person, even if you think you can't be, when your life is absolutely rock bottomed or you think it can't get worse and then it does and then you realize you don't know what the bottom is, how do you find the good person? Is it someone who you'd expect it to be? Is it someone who you may not expect it to be? Just watch a good person and see whether or not it elicits the emotion. Movies are used by me to find emotion. It happens this way. I can give you a segment on financing a stadium like a robotic guy. Something about inside me when I see these movies. Anyway, Morgan Freeman, Florence Pugh, directed by Zach Braff. I did not check my phone one time during this movie. I didn't take a break. I didn't go to the bathroom. I ran out of candy and did not stop it to get more. I couldn't turn away because I wanted to know what was next. And then I wanted to feel what I was going to feel with what would come next. And it all worked. It's called The Good Person. The Cardinals are not bad people because they demoted Jordan Walker. I got a lot of people asking me this, a lot of So You Want to Talk to Samson's, a lot of questions on Twitter at David P. Samson, a lot of people trying to figure out what happened here. The St. Louis Cardinals are off to one of the worst starts of in their in the last 20 years for them. Don't forget they lost Yadier Molina, but don't forget that they've got the reigning MVP in Goldschmidt. They've got Arenado. Their pitching is fine. They were favored to win the Central. I believe they could be in last place in the NL Central. They had this great player where everyone was excited named Jordan Walker that he was going to make the team out of spring training. Then he made the team out of spring training. And I said to you, I didn't think he was going to make the team. Maybe I said he would make the team because of the new rules. No, no, I wouldn't have said that. Remember the new rules and all the columns you're reading about it? Teams are finally doing what's right. They're putting the top 25 people on the roster at all times. Top 26, thank you, you're right, Matt. We've changed the rules in baseball where you are no longer incentivized to keep a player down. That was the theory. Because if you get a certain number of points in the award game, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young Award winner, MVP. Doesn't matter if you've been up for a month or five months, you get a full year of service. Service time is gold. That's what players want, period. 
They want to get to arbitration. You get to arbitration with service time. They want to get to free agency. You get to free agency with service time. Service time is any day you spend on the big league roster or on the big league injured list. You get a day of service for every day on one of those two places. And at the end of the year, you get a full year of service if you have been on the big league team or the big league injured list for the full year. When you attain three years of service, sometimes two plus, you get to go to arbitration. The math is the same as it was 20 years ago. If you call up a player in late April and you leave that player in the minor leagues for a month, you get that player for an extra year of control before he becomes a free agent. If you wait till the middle of June to call up a player, you get the player for an extra year before arbitration happens. The time to call up players is late April or late June. The new collective bargaining agreement did not change that. We pretend they dollar bet not a dollar bet, a dollar fine. They pretend that the new rules have changed the behavior of the front offices, and I told you it hasn't. Jordan Walker gets called up. Everyone's exciting. They do a video. Starts, he's on the opening day roster. Everyone is just ecstatic. And then what happens? He was sent down. Now, he's hitting 274, not bad. I guess he struck out 20 times. He can't play defense. He had that great 12-game hitting streak to start his career. This could be the rookie of the year. This guy's amazing. We're only seven games back of the Pirates. Guess what those things are called? GPI. Grievance proof items. When we do something with our team and with our players, we're looking for GPIs. What can we argue in a grievance that this player deserved to be sent down or deserved not to be called up? Where can we poke holes in whatever argument the union's going to make that this player should not have been sent down and therefore we want his service time back? They never grieve for money lost. They grieve for service days given back. We could settle any grievance we want by giving the service days to the player instead of the money, which is the difference between the major league rate of 720,000 minimum and the minor league rate of 30,000, whatever the difference is. Players want service time. So the St. Louis Cardinals get together and they say, total speculation, but if you're Bill DeWitt, you've been here a long time, not your first rodeo. John Moziliak, the president of baseball operations, been around a very long time. When we had a player that we brought up early in the season, like opening day, there are times where our GM would promise us, we'll find you 30 days. We didn't publicize that because you don't want to. You don't want anyone to know that. Don't worry, we'll get you the 30 days, meaning that we'll find a way to get him down at some point before arbitration because it doesn't matter when. That's the little known secret. You can send Jordan Walker down today. It's April 27th. Bring him back May 27th and guess what? That's the same as bringing him up for the first time on May 1st and missing the month of April. You could do it next year. It doesn't matter. 
There is nothing in the collective bargaining agreement that says when the service time gets accrued. Does it get accrued consecutively? And here's what's even better. When you bring up Jordan Walker and then send him down a month into the season, you get to use that in an arbitration hearing. You get to say up and down, he couldn't stay up. He had to improve. He wasn't good enough, even if you don't mean it. Like a Corbin Burns nightmare scenario when you say something in an arbitration hearing that you don't actually believe. (gasps) All in the name of advocacy. Horrors. You can't do that. We did not catch the pirates because of Jordan Walker. I can't even say it. It's so laughable. It has nothing to do with that. So Jordan Walker was demoted. I wanted to remind you what service time manipulation is and how it all works. So now you're all clear and all your questions are answered on that. If you have more, get to me at David P. Sampson and we'll see. Nothing personal pick of the day. We're going to talk NBA playoffs right now. The Miami Heat. We're going to have plenty to say on the Lebitard show, I'm sure, today. But the Miami Heat. Here's the concept I want to bring up. The concept of the big three in the NBA. Where are we with that? Well, I don't view the Bucs as having a big three. I don't view the Heat as having a big three. So I have no further comment on whether or not a big three is necessary to win a ring. Clearly, a big three was not necessary to get to the second round. I will do a mea culpa here and I'll do a mea culpa there. I'll do a mea culpa everywhere about, I believe the Miami Heat were going to lose to the Chicago Bulls in the play-in game. I believe they were finished. I believe that Jimmy Butler didn't care. I believe they were mailing it in. And now when they smelled the blood of victory and the chance to play the New York Knicks who advanced and won a playoff round for the first time in God knows how long, what is it, Coca? A decade? I mean, the last time they were in the finals was 1999. The last time they won the finals was 1973. That's unbelievable, actually. 83, 93, 03, 13, 23. The Knicks haven't won a title in 50 years. I I can't even. That's insane. So the Miami Heat got past the Milwaukee Bucks, and they did something outstanding. The mentality when you're up three games to one is that you want to win even when you're on the road because you don't want to throw the game away and just come back for a game six and say you'll win it at home. You want to try to get it right there. The Lakers tried against the Grizzlies, but once the Lakers realized that the Grizzlies were not going to lose, I think that Darvin Ham made a mistake and left LeBron and AD in the game too long yesterday. The Grizzlies minus four was the easiest against the spread pick, the easiest nothing personal pick of the day pick because the Grizzlies are better than the Cavaliers who couldn't win game five at home. The Grizzlies right now are better than the Bucks who couldn't win game five at home. And the Grizzlies did win game five at home. And the advantage of doing what the Heat did is they get to rest until game one against the Knicks this coming weekend. They don't have to play Friday and then play Sunday. They get to recover. If you are the Lakers, you want LeBron James to recover as much as possible. Now he's got to go back to L.A., play a game six, and heaven forbid, end up back in Memphis before getting out of the first round. Game fives are looked at as like jokes. No one cares. Game fives are critical no matter what. In a 2-2 series, you think game five isn't the whole ball of wax? Except when the Knicks won game five against the Rockets? But other than, no, they lost game five against the Rockets. 
No, they were up 3-2. They won game five against the Rockets in 94. Game five, you want to go up 3-2. Could you lose 6-7? and seven? Yes, it happens, obviously. Cleveland remembers that against the Cubs. I think they were up 3-2 as well. But if you're the Warriors, you want to try to win on the road. You want to try to win game five, be up 3-2. If you are the Heat, you want to try to win and finish the series 4-1. So those are the only scenarios for game fives. It's either 3-1 or 2-2 going into it. It can't be 4-0 because that's the end of a series. It's the most, if I had to give you a list of the most underrated games in a series, I don't want to say game one, game seven, because everyone says you got to win the first, you got to win the last, obviously. Game five to me gets no respect. It's the Rodney Dangerfield of games in a seven game series. And it's the one that I focused on the most. For all of that, for age 69, that I focused on the most for all of that time that I had a playoff team. Nothing personal pick of the day. We had the Grizzlies four over the Lakers. How about taking the Braves over the Marlins last night? Hard to pick against the Cy Young Award winner from last year coming back off the injury. I'd say Alcantara was fine, right? Fine. But the Marlins blew it, bullpen. So we went 2-0. So we are now 63-59, and and we've got a couple of picks for today. Number one, we've got a fascinating basketball game. Well, I wouldn't say it's fascinating, but here we go. Celtics, Hawks. Did you see what the Hawks did with that Trey Young shot to win game five? Whatever. The chances of Trey Young doing that again, even though the game's at home? Donata. The Celtics don't want to go to a game seven because even in the NBA, anything can happen in a game seven. Go ask Phoenix, who lost by 90 to Dallas in that game seven last year or two years ago. I can't remember when it was. You don't want that if you're the Celtics. Celtics, six and a half over the Hawks. That's the NBA pick. In baseball, Garrett Cole is the Cy Young Award leader after five starts, although Otani is matching him start for start, basically. Cole's been unhittable. And Cole is playing the Texas Rangers. The Walker Texas Rangers are in first place, maybe by a smidge. They've got one of their three new pitchers pitching tonight. My guy, oh, full circle, Coca, this is brilliant. A guy I drafted, we drafted. A guy I didn't get to call and say, hey, congratulations, you're drafted. He's still playing. Andrew Heaney got paid. He's plus 145 over Cole and the Yankees. I do understand what's going on. Judge may need a day off. He had that awkward slide, whether he plays or not. The Rangers are plus 145, and I'm looking for some plus money. Garrett Cole cannot. It is unlikely that he's going to have a Pedro Martinez-type season. It's unlikely that he's going to have an undefeated with the season ERA under one. Eventually, he's going to give up runs. I'll take the plus 145 with the offense of the Rangers. So I've got Haney, Heaney and the Rangers over Cole and the Yankees. Celtics, six and a half over the Hawks against the spread. Those are the picks of the day. Enjoy your draft day. Get some food, get some candy, see what your team's gonna do and whether or not it's gonna matter. You're excited, but for them, it's just business. This is nothing personal. Thank <laughs> you. 
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.